In this next interview, I talk with Dr. Mandeep Singh Kalu. He's a clinical psychologist and he gives more of a personal interview about his experiences of being from a BAME background but working in a predominantly white profession. And he talks about some really important experiences that he's had um, of racism and misinterpretations of his actions um, by other professionals and really broadens that out into a analysis of kind of power dynamics more broadly within the profession um, and I have to say I've known um, Mandeep for many years and uh, throughout the interview he insists on referring to me as Dr Kate Cooper um, I didn't reciprocate throughout the whole interview but now feel weird given that he brought up power um, so many times so I would like to highlight at this stage that I have only respect for his qualifications and doctorate but I just wasn't going to reciprocate calling him doctor the whole way through that interview okay over to him now. So Mandeep, thank you so much for agreeing to talk with me today. Um, I just wanted to start by asking you um, to introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about why you're interested in this area. Good afternoon, Dr. Kate Cooper. Uh, so, so my name is Dr. Mandeep Singh Kalu. Um, I'm a clinical psychologist and I have experience in several do domains including inpatient units, secondary care, primary care, neuropsychology, learning disabilities and CAMS. Um, I'm interested to speak as part of this because being someone from a BAME background, being in a predominantly white profession, I feel there's certain barriers that I've faced in my career progression, uh, I think in the career in general, um, and I think outside of the career as well, just being a citizen of this nation, this world, um, just experiencing some of that, and, and just thinking about how I've overcome these barriers, it might be helpful for other people to hear. And yeah, it might be a good sounding board for people, give them confidence in situations where that might be difficult due to certain factors. Yeah, and I guess it would be really, really helpful to hear a bit more about those um, mm. barriers that you've kind of experienced um, mm. for some of the people who might be listening to this. So would you be happy to elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, so I, I think culture is a huge part of this and I think the subtle nuances of culture are a huge part and so one of the things that I always think about is I'm a very fortunate person and I can draw upon two very distinct cultures one of my Indian background and one of my English British background and I think sometimes the idea of that gets lost in the mix of 
how the profession of clinical psychology should be. And I, I, I think the best way I can describe that is a lot of people from BAME backgrounds that I've spoken to that have experienced difficulties within uh, the healthcare sector or professional sectors is that they're more likely to be judged as being challenging or negative or aggressive in terms of their interactional style. To really solidify that point, you just have to look at uh, the, the judicial system, for example, um, where rates of stop and search are a lot higher than they are for people from BAME background than they are for the white counterparts. The mental health system, where people from BAME backgrounds are a lot more likely, especially black people, more likely to be sectioned than the white counterparts. Mm. And I think it permeates through all sections of society. And it is this idea of uh, the white gaze or that unconscious bias, that unconscious fear of the black person or the BAME person. So, so that's one way of looking at it. Another is, like, like for example, my thesis for my clinical doctorate, uh, the analysis style or approach was conversational analysis. And I was very interested to come out across research that highlights the difference in, um, in communication between people from uh, diverse cultural backgrounds. When I say diverse, I mean non-Western, uh, white uh, backgrounds, where, I don't need to try and remember this, <laughs> <laughs> but the crux, the crux of the research is that people from BAME backgrounds have a more directive approach. People from white Western backgrounds have a more indirect approach. Mm. And what this research found is the indirect approach has more gain for the person making the request. And it's sort of like a roundabout way of making a request, but the gains are for the person making that request. So it's stuff like, I don't know if you've ever been in a meeting, and people are speaking about ideas, and uh, you need to move forward in terms of actions, and someone, and this is very common with clinical psychologists, is saying, I wonder if it would be a good idea to blah, blah, blah. And it's sort of, it sort of puts the emphasis of the decision-making to the other person, mm. but it's a subtle way of the person making a request to get what they want. Whereas people from Bay backgrounds, they'll just be more direct. They'll just be like, right, can we do this? Or uh, we should do this or like that. Mm. And, and that direct approach, it has more benefit for both parties or the parties involved in that decision-making interaction. And I, I, I think that says, says a lot, uh, really. Mm. Um, yeah. But... If, Sorry, go on. And, and I think just to contextualise all of it, and I think if I can do sort of a timeline of me coming in, into this career, it's difficult for someone of a BAME background to come into a white-dominated profession 
And basically what you're seeing is, or adapting to, is social conventions. Mm. And, and they're social conventions of power and how power is maintained. And so what I mean is that to be a part of that system, you assign to other people social conventions. So I remember I used to be in meetings, and I picked this up quite early, is speaking in that indirect uh, approach. Um, it seems more sensitive, but as I said, it has more gain for the person making the request. Um, but I think culturally, just feeling for me to be a part of the system, I have to assign to white Western cultural ideals and I didn't feel confident of being myself it took me a while to be myself but maybe we can speak about this uh, in more depth later mm. but actually as soon as I started being comfortable with my approach in communication I found a lot of resistance and, and I did and have been and even to this day um have been labelled as challenging. I'm just going to give you a quick funny story Go on. about me leaving the office. So basically, I worked in an inpatient hospital. There was there's two receptionists, both white, uh, and they're speaking to a guy who's uh, I think of African or origin, and he had quite a strong accent. I don't know where that accent's from, mm-hmm. and he he was saying he's here for security training. And he must have been having this conversation, repeating the word security uh, for about five minutes. As I'm coming through the airlock and coming into the reception area, the two receptionists grabbed me and said, uh, this guy is here for psychology training. And I says, oh, I said, and I asked the guy, I was like, what training are you here for? And he said, security. I says, he's here for security training. <laughs> so it took me... <laughs> like, I completely understood what he was saying. But again, given context, I live, uh, work in a rural part of the UK. It's in Somerset. And, uh, yeah, like, cultural diversity, uh, I don't think it's too strong within this area. But still, mm. he, he was speaking English. He said an English word with an accent, which was security. That just got kept getting misinterpreted as psychology, which I, <laughs> I sort of found amusing, but also thinking, well, well actually, how does, it, how does it make that person feel mm. who's at the receiving end of that response? And so when I speak about social convention and assigning to social convention, to get into these positions of power, I think part of the process is that will assign these social conventions and so for example trying to speak a bit clearer or like trying to copy the language of our peers mm. uh, who are mostly white and stuff um but yeah like, i'm trying to say to people that there is strength there's a lot of strength when you stop assigning to those social conventions i, I mean yeah. not all of them that there are positives to doing that as well. Mm. Uh, it sounds like you've I... become quite aware of yourself and aware of those communication styles, though, and you've had to um, because of coming from a different background to a lot of other professionals. And it sounds like you're almost hyper aware of things that, you know, 
me as a, a white British woman I've uh, in the profession made up of mostly white middle class yeah. women I haven't had to think about that sort of thing um, and analyse it in the same way because I'm from that dominant kind of culture yeah. um, so I'm really struck by how much you've had to think about about that I, 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 I think that's the same Doc Scooper as saying like I, I could never understand fully your experience of being a, a female clinician or researcher mm. or academic you, you know I'm sure there's plenty of barriers uh, that you've come across and I think communication is an important step so I understand how uh, I, I think the barriers other people face may pass us by sometimes and I think that hyper awareness comes from our own experience and it comes from a lot of reflection mm-hmm. and something I wanted to pick up on from what you've been saying you've talked a lot about um your kind of communication style and how that gets interpreted um, by other professionals. I was just wondering, um, in terms of your kind of therapeutic work, how um, how that kind of reflective process has come in in your relationship with patients? That's a really good question. Um, and I, I suppose part of me saying that is because the outcomes with the people I work with are very strong. It doesn't matter what service I've worked in. Mm. One of one of my biggest strengths is creating that therapeutic relationship. And I have thought about this long and hard. And in the complete majority, I'm talking about maybe 98% of the clinical work I've done, race or culture has never been an issue. Mm. I think part of that process is having that awareness, okay? So coming from a, mar- like when I say, well, well actually it is a marginalised group, coming from a mar- marginalised group, you understand the dynamics of power and how suppressing and subjugating power can be. So without being explicit about these things, it can inform it an approach and I think that's extremely extremely valuable for our profession so I'll I'll give you an example Mm. so I set up a service uh, in Plymouth for people that were experiencing homeless now traditionally this population or group of people they've been really hard to engage with with mental health services, with physical health services too. And so setting up this service, my approach was just to relax on the whole formal psychology approach. It was more community psychology based where we would create therapeutic alliance through informal activities such as art, such as music, such such as making a fire down by the beach, such as walking in nature and I suppose the reasons for doing that is understanding how power manifests and so you have to think I could have set this service up at the GP surgery and I could have sat there in my lovely trousers that cost about 50 quid or my shirt that's nicely ironed and and stuff but that itself creates a barrier to positive therapeutic alliance Mm. You, 
you, you know, it's just a reminder for these people that um, that uh, they're in the situation they're in, and it may magnify it in that. So what I mean by having these sorts of sensitivities around power is we experience it ourselves, and I'm sure you do, and I'm sure this informs your approach as well. Like once you have experienced that marginalisation, then uh, I think you're more sensitive and empathic towards others that might be in different situations to your own. And I think that's how it informs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so it sounds like for you, being um, from a BAME group has made you reflect a lot on yourself, but it's also made you think more broadly, not just about kind of cultural differences, but also power more generally, and maybe groups in society who are less empowered than others. Yeah. Would you agree that that's kind of informed your therapeutic work? I, I think that's a nice synopsis, and I'd 100% agree with that. Am I allowed to swear on this, Dr. Cooper? <laughs> Go on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think uh, what I'll do is I'll give you the complete foundation and I think this will be shared with a lot of people. So I'm going to speak about racism. Mm. And the thing that pisses people off about racism is because the the process of racism is to identify you as different and, and weaker than the person that's subjugating you to that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. What really pisses you off is that we exist in society, and as a person of colour, it's not really an issue until someone reminds you of your colour, because everyone is the same. And the the, the most disappointing thing about it is making the distinction. I think that sounds pretty obvious, but... I think that's how racism has such a negative impact. It's, it's just reminding you that people don't think you're the same as them, whereas you think you're the same as everyone. This is a quality that we speak about. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and so having that underpinning our existence or my existence, then it does become disappointing. And so when you see, I think people even term it casual racism and stuff nowadays, like, it is still disappointing because you're not making these distinctions, especially in this profession, when we're the purveyors of equality. Like, that, that has to be the core of what we do. Mm. And, I, and I think I think without communication, without discussion, sometimes it does get overlooked. And I think sometimes the powers within the profession don't understand how difficult it is to be at the same levels of power that other people have probably found easier to obtain mm. and like I can give you an example you, you, you know being the son of immigrants living in poverty and stuff living in certain areas uh, you, you know finding it difficult to integrate into school and having that whole delayed edu- education and then it's no wonder you, it's took till I'm about 40 to become a clinical psychologist, you know? Yeah, of course, of course. But but actually being in this position, it's a position of power. Mm. And this is why 
another reason why I'm so keen to do this tour is that it's a hugely valuable resource to have people of culture, of differences within this profession. Mm, absolutely. And you said earlier that you wanted to talk um, a little bit about how you've come to kind of be yourself more in your professional identity. Right. So I wondered if you could talk about that. It becomes incremental because the carrot at the end of the stick is being a clinical psychologist. And I think there's always going to be disagreements and stuff. And sometimes there have been disagreements where I felt where I felt it's, it's been about cultural difference, where people are allowed to speak to me in the way that they want. But if I respond in my natural style, which is still professional, that they can find that challenging and stuff. Mm, mm. So, 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 for example, like my first assistant job, I, I think I was very fortunate, actually, because my supervisor, supervisor was great, and he... He identified all these differences and stuff and he accounted for them and he's very sensitive in his approach, which was a stark contrast to my second assistant pose where I think the cultural differences were very apparent. Mm. I was working with a colleague who was white, who was British, who was female, had a very nice way of speaking about things and that in comparison to having me who who speaks quite directive as i've already explained about that sort of stuff before mm. um who has a style that was that kept getting challenged by my supervisor mm. who was white female and it took me a while and this supervisor twice refused me a reference to uh, get on the clinical training, twice mm. refused me, and it, and that has a huge impact on the confidence. So this this idea that I say that actually we have to do a lot more to just get on an even keel, mm. like within the profession. So the first time she refused me for a reference, her reasons were, and she kept saying this, she didn't think I'd be a good psychologist. This is a person with white privilege at the doors of power mm. that has the choice of whether I become a psychologist or not. So what I did, I enrolled at uh, the university. I started doing a master's and my grades were top of the class. Distinctions here, there, everywhere. I'm, I'm bringing them in <laughs> to work and stuff. And then... And then uh, the second time it came around to apply for the clinical training, her response was still the same. Mm. And I can't tell you what that did for my confidence. Mm. Like, like, hang on a minute. My out clinical outcomes are good. I'm doing everything that's been asked of me. I'm even doing a master's while I'm on a full-time job. And... I'm still not good enough. And it was my, my colleague that highlighted that actually she's been racist. And it took someone, and that was my white colleague, to identify that. So it's not all about us and them sort of thing. Mm. My solution to that approach 
because she still refused to give me a reference. And I believe it was because of my style, and I think it was cultural difference. My solution to that approach was to call HR in the office in front of everyone and tell them that I feel that was being racially discriminated against. Within a week, I got sat down with the lead psychologist and my supervisor, and they pretty much told me to write my own reference. Wow. Oh, okay, so, okay, so that's good. I got into the clinical training course after I wrote uh, my own reference, which was <laughs> signed by my supervisor, obviously, uh, but the content I had to write, because she didn't want to write about that. Um, mm. But I'm sorry, that doesn't account for the cultural differences there. It's like, I go away, reflect on it, but she carries on as, as normal. Mm. And like, like I think this is, yeah, I just think that's rude. Because that situation may happen again, it just got swept under the carpet. And it has been like that in, like even in where, where I'm working now, there's been huge issues of racism. For example, uh, they was implementing a, a racism initiative, show racism the red card. Mm. This is... This is an inpatient, secure hospital dealing with people with schizophrenia. And I was the only one to object to this initiative. And I must say there was about 20 people in this meeting. Four were from a BAME background. I was the only person to object to this initiative because I said it was reactive mm. and it was too behavioral. And actually the process needs to be about understanding uh, and not shaming. Um, I got misinterpreted as being negative and challenging mm. to the extent the director of the hospital spoke to my supervisor and told her to speak to me to tell me to stop being negative and challenging. And the director of the hospital uh, arranged a meeting with me in his diary mm. to speak about me being negative and challenging. Goodness. Uh, and I sort of felt like saying, okay, so... You, you think I haven't got experience to speak about why this might be difficult. And actually my solution was, because we have a lot of overseas nurses, is that we need to create a focus group and understand what the issues are and what what solutions or interventions that they would find helpful. Mm. You can't just give them a piece of A4 paper that says show racism on the red card and that every time they're racially abused that they have to show it to the person abusing them. It's, it's like a, 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 a tinderbox of escalation, you know? There's a lot of violence in the hospital. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, I, mm. I felt my perspective got suppressed, even even though in terms of making my arguments, in a sensitive way, I provided evidence, um, like research evidence. Mm. Yeah, so, so that was really difficult. Yeah. Dr. Cleaver, my battery may run out soon, so did you, do you have any more questions? No, I was going to ask you for any final comments, if you have any. Um, my final comments, I think if people can take anything away from this conversation, is find strength in their own self-awareness, if that makes sense. It so absolutely there, does. There, their own identity and it can be a minefield coming into this profession to be comfortable with your own identity 
I think you get to a stage where you understand some people will really embrace it and it will thrive and some people will be challenging mm. towards it. Don't get dis, dis, disheartened by those situations. But yeah, like just expand on your resources and I think initiatives like this is always going to help uh, with that process. And I will be... Yeah, I'd like to be part of this process in the future. I think it's a great initiative that you're doing at Bath University, and I'd like to see how that evolves. Oh, thank you. That's really, really good to hear. Thank And thank you so much for your time and for talking to us today, Dr Mandeep Singh Kalu. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Dr KQ. But let me know when the, the podcast is open. Thank you so much to Dr. Mandeep Kalu, who gave a brilliant interview. He's thought so carefully um, about his cultural background, his experiences of prejudice in the profession and of reaching out to diverse groups as a clinical psychologist in the position of power that he holds now. So it was so good to hear his analysis of power and culture in the clinical psychology profession. So thank you to Mandeep. And we will be back soon with another episode of What About Us. So we'll see you then.